Talking Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Least Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, it's been forever since we've had a podcast out. We had two get scrapped because of audio issues. I think we figured it out now. What did you think of that Leafs win tonight? I thought it was very good. We have been so quiet over the past two or three weeks with uh, no podcasts actually getting out there. Like I haven't heard anything that quiet since the Islanders crowd tonight. So I think uh, it was nice to hear them. They, you know, There was more booing to their own power play than there was to John Tavares tonight from the Islanders crowd. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about this game tonight. And speaking of a reason it was so quiet, I am going, I'm starting my first star. I'm taking it from you. I'm going Joseph Wall, his first career NHL shutout in his second career game. And, you know, just 20 saves, but for a guy who didn't have amazing numbers in the AHL, you know, anytime you could get a win from really your third string goalie at this point, you think you got to take it, especially against a team like the Islanders on the road. And I think just coming off second half of back-to-back, you know, you didn't know what the, what the team would, would give him in front of him. Uh, they played very well tonight, but just the reactions to Walsh shed out after the game, the smiles, I saw a huge smile on Spetz's face, a huge smile on Matthew's face. It just seems like this guy's so well-liked in the room, and they, and they really wanted to get him that first NHL shutout. So I think it's an easy first star for me tonight with Joseph Wall. I think so too. I can't knock that pick. Obviously, the Leafs have had a tough time developing goalies, um, I don't think Joseph Wall is going to be you know, the next Carey Price, but I think it is nice to see some success from a drafted goalie for the Leafs, a uh, third-round pick from 2016. So definitely a big win for the, for the management, I think, and just the, the player development staff tonight. Um, you know, even, if, even if Wall doesn't play you know, very much for the rest of the year, I think it's, it's still a nice thing. So for my first star, I'm going to go with another win for the management, and that is Michael Bunting. I've always been a fan of him when he's been playing with Matthews, uh, whether it was even when he was with Matthews and Nylander. I know that the points weren't there. They weren't really clicking, especially in the offensive zone. But, you know, just the skill set of bunting, I think, works so well with a, with a goal scorer and a player like Matthews. And if, if you have a playmaker, whether that's Nylander or Marner, it's only a matter of time before the points are going to come. So it was nice to see bunting set up Marner uh, tonight. And I thought they were buzzing all night. So easy first star for me is Michael Bunting. The NHL leader in, in drawn penalties, I believe now. Uh, it's it's kind of getting funny how many penalties he's drawing. It seems like every night he's drawing at least one penalty, putting the Leafs on the power play. Now, night's night tonight, the power play wasn't that hot, but you got to give him credit. He's giving those Leafs some extra chances just by you know working hard and, and putting himself in good spots. Definitely. I just like in the, in the offensive zone, you know, sometimes when Marner, Matthews, and Bunting are in that offensive zone, especially tonight, like I, I'm very drawn to watching Michael Bunting off the puck. Uh, he's just going into battle after battle. He's winning, you know, every single puck, every puck that's in the corner. He seems to be the first one there. It just, it just reminds me of Zach Hyman. Um, you know, maybe not as good, but you know, I think that there's some room to grow for Bunting, and I think it's a good start for him. So, uh, I do want to hear your second star though. Second star, you mentioned him, Mitch Marner. Big night tonight with two goals. I think he's a very deserving second star. That first that that first goal in the first period on the on the four on three with the least being shorthanded, that was pretty nasty. And then a big insurance goal to kind of seal things at the end there. Just made it a, a stress free game. Um, you know, with the young goalie like like Wall, I think it's 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 important to get all the insurance goals you can. And it just really took some of the pressure off. Uh, and, and, and really just kept the stress levels down for, for us Leafs fans. So one by going to the net and one really a highlight real goal. So, I, I mean, phenomenal game for Mitch Marner. Yes, yeah, shorthanded as well. So uh, he, he's been really good. I think early in the year we obviously were, you know, I, I was definitely a little concerned to see the way he was playing. I do expect him to, I did expect him to kind of step up, but I think he's been pretty good, especially in the last two to three weeks and during this winning streak. So it's nice to see him, uh, you know, back to the way he should be and, and the way that he is. Um, my second star, I'm going to continue going with these kind of the, uh, you know, I'm not going to go with the big four. 
today. So I'm going to go with Andre Kasha, the league leader in Bunting's leading the league in uh, penalties drawn. Andre Kasha leads the NHL in expected injuries per 60. 100%. Uh, I don't know if anyone's tracking that. I might start tracking that. But Wool, I mean, sorry, not Wool, geez, Kasha's would be crazy high. So I, I need to find whoever's tracking that. But I'm going to pretend like someone is and that he's winning it. But Cash has been absolutely fantastic. You know, I, I think to start the season, I was a little bit skeptical about Keith trying Kasha on that third line. I really like Kasha offensively. I, I also like his work ethic, so I didn't mind it on the third line, but it, it did feel like a bit of a waste. I've been proven wrong in a big way. Cash has been fantastic on that third line. The way that he's able to bring up the puck the uh, his ability to just create chances even if it's by himself i know you've mentioned uh, that he reminds you a little bit of casper captain in that light mm-hmm. so i've just been so impressed with kasha and, and the fact that that third line is you know taking so many defensive zone starts they're going up against top six lines every single night and now they're starting to produce offense i think it's just the cherry on top like the offense that they're providing is almost like a bonus to me but i think every team needs all four lines to be producing some offense at least and in the last you know five to six games that third line's been giving them that especially camp and kasha so um he's just been excellent they just need to make sure he doesn't get injured and more than anything he needs to make sure he doesn't get injured i mean some of the plays he he makes are just uh they're just reckless yeah he's a completely reckless player you have to admire it um you know as a fan just his work ethic is extremely high uh, he's a he's a two way player who, uh, you know, you can kind of throw out there in any situation. So, I know before the game, I was looking at uh, evolving hockey their stats, and Kasha was third on the team in five on five points per sixty, uh, and of course he got he scored tonight, so that'll just go up further. And even for his career, I mean, he's had very good numbers. The, the key with him was always health, and uh, you know, I tweeted after the game. I think you got to put him in bubble wrap and just get him to the playoffs at this point. We know he's a good player. Um, I think he's in the perfect role in that third line. I think Nylander and Marner are both ideally better on the right side. I think Kosh is probably better on the right side as well. Um, and you do need some offense there. I mean, it, you know, the, the nice part about him is, you know, maybe you get a little bit more offense on that line at some point. Uh, but he's, he's doing his part so far. He's, he's really filling the role well. Um, and then I, I think what the cherry on top is is that He's got uh, he's an RFA at the end of the year rather than a UFA. Exactly. So, so that's I mean it, it is keeping his value down by you know not putting him on the power play and and playing him with David Camp. But really, it's he's he's been fantastic this year just in terms of taking a ton of defensive zone faceoffs, generating some individual offense like Kapanen. I've really liked him and and I think he's a well deserving for your second star. Yeah, let's see let's see her your third star now. Um. There's a few few options on the board. I'm wondering if you're going to take my third star, but um, yeah, I, I feel like you might go big four here again. Uh, I'm going to go, not, I don't know if it's off the board, but I'm going to go with Jake Muzzin, actually. That first period assist, the shorthanded pass to Marner was, was just massive. Uh, anytime you're down, like anytime you have three players on the ice, you're, you're worried about getting scored on, and to turn that into an offensive zone situation was, was fantastic. Camp had a nice, you know, a nice shift to kind of lead that off, and then Marner hops over the boards. Muzzin just feeds a beautiful pass. I do think that Muzzin's the spotlight's kind of been on him to start the year. It, obviously, it's you know not an ideal start for him, but um, you know he did he did pretty well tonight, as did most of the team. Um, and you know, anytime you can have an assist like that that leads directly to a goal, I, I think it's it's worthy of a star so I'm, I'm throwing him my third star i think it was one of his better games of the season i think so too I, I do find that he's struggled to a certain extent in terms of moving the puck um he, he had a really rough start he went through a, a good patch and then for example yesterday like he had a pretty bad game against pittsburgh mm-hmm. uh, i do find that hall and muzzin have kind of struggled against um like neutral zone speed coming in at them um, their foot speed has just looked a little off, but again, I, I do, I do trust Jake Muzzin. Like he's had a long enough track record that of being really good. I don't want to believe that he's starting to hit that age decline just yet. And I mean, Keith is still giving them them that tough deployment. And you know, 
the Leafs really rely on that pairing. So it's nice to see them have a good game tonight. Um, again, when I looked at it at the end of the game, I think it was like one offensive zone start and nine defensive zone starts. So just a regular night for Muzzin Hall, just above 50% in terms of um, in terms of course he had five on five. So, And then obviously that pass, which pretty much uh, kind of set the precedence for the whole game. So like that pick, I'm going to stay on the defensive side, well, a defensive type of player for my third star, and it's going to go David Kampf. If I'm going to give Andre Cash or the second star, I have to... I have to pair them together, the two Czech friends. Um, so Camp will be my third star. Like I said, he's getting so many defensive zone starts right now. And to me, if you can have that many, if you can have that type of deployment and still be above 50% in terms of Corsi, in terms of expected goals at 5-on-5, five five, I'm okay with limited offense, but Camp's been bringing it on the offensive side of the puck as well. I don't think he's too flashy when he has the puck. I don't think he's going to make very high-end plays, but I do think he makes some safe plays. I do like his positioning. He just always seems to be in the right spot at the right time, and uh, I think he's really deserving of this third star because he's had a really good week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as I said, on on the Marner's goal, Camp was the one who took the initial face-off and, and really ate a lot of time there. Uh, I, he just seems to love killing penalties and love basically <laughs> those things, you know. Like, I, I don't. If it wasn't for if power plays didn't exist, I don't think Camp would play hockey. I think he would, you know, find a regular job somewhere. He's only there to kill penalties. He loves it. So that's that's what he's passionate about, and he's good at it. So he, he's one of those guys that um, you know in school when it's the end of the day and the teacher says, "Who wants to erase the board for me?" <laughs> and, and camp's the guy who raises his hand and oh, me 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 like i can almost see like camp i mean keith being who wants to take this defensive zone space off camp jump over jumps over the board like as soon as possible he's just like the teacher's pet yeah i can see that too i mean keith seems to love him i can see why uh the, the defense has been strong all season i do have some some leaf stats to throw your way and and you know we have had back-to-back podcast scraps we have a, we have a lot to cover here it's been probably about a month since we posted our last podcast that's actually made it out um you know obviously i was on the ML, uh, maple Leafs hot stove podcast we were both on the from the stands podcast so i mean we've been talking hockey um throughout the past month but they did have they did get shut out against pittsburgh um but before that it was a 10 of 11 stretch what's your thoughts i guess on this team overall right now is it you know, can we can we call them an elite team because of the streak that they're on? Do you do you have concerns about, you know, their their scoring, particularly at five on five, or are you more concerned about Hall and Muzzin? I guess question one is how do you feel about them, and then question two is what's your biggest concern right now? This is a good team. Uh, I do think that I, I don't want to really compare them to past Leafs teams. I, I do think that last year's team was pretty good as well. Um, it's a tough to kind of really compare them given the divisions and the way the season went. But um, this is a good team this year. This is a team that is second in the division right now. They're breathing on Florida's necks, and they're generating scoring chances at a very, very, very high clip at 5-on-5. They're one of the better teams in in terms of goals scored at 5-on-5, yet their shooting percentage is so low right now. Austin Matthews is shooting just below 5%, which a guy that is that good, it's probably lower than that now after tonight. So he's going to start scoring goals. William Nylander is shooting very low percentage at 5-on-5. Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, the fourth line is also pretty snake-bitten. Those guys are going to start scoring, especially Matthews and um, Nylander. So I think at this point, like if someone told me at the beginning of the season, that Matthews was going to be sh- uh, shooting 4%, and the team was going to be shooting that low, I would not think that they would be in this situation in terms of where they are in the standings. So I think this is a good team. I do think that they're going to start scoring a lot more goals. Um, maybe we see a bit of a drop-off in terms of Campbell, but I don't think that's going to outweigh how many goals this team's going to score once their luck starts to change. So I think it's a good team. Yeah, it has been a bit of a weird year. Like you look at the standings, they're twelve six and one. I think that's about what we'd expect. They are one of the better teams in the National Hockey League. Maybe not, you know, exceeding expectations just from a points perspective. But you look at just 
some of the numbers out there and um I, I think what stands out to me is is you know they're sixth in expected goals for this is before the Islanders game, but they were sixth. Maybe it's gone up a little bit, um, but they're just not really scoring right now. And I think the shooting percentage is the big one. They're thirty first in shooting percentage uh, entering that Islanders game, twenty eighth in five on five goals per minute, twenty eighth. So uh, you know you look at the t- at, as you said you look at some of the shooting percentages. Austin Matthews right now is at 0.9 points per 60, and you know his career average is 2.51, almost th- a third of, of what we'd expect. Uh, Marner's is about half; he's at 1.25. It's about half of his career norm. Nylander's, you know, a good chunk down, and, and it's Alex Kerfoot leading this team in, in five on five points per 60. So I, I do think that you know the winds have been a bit weird. Maybe the power play will get a bit colder, kind of like it was tonight. Um, maybe Jack, Cam- like I'm sure Jack Campbell's not going to be a 940 goaltender all year. I mean, maybe he is. That'd be a miracle. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. But we're probably going to get some worse goaltending eventually. Um, which is, you know, a lot of two one wins as of late. But I do think, I mean, we've seen Matthews and Marner in Nylander, you know, play for years. We know what they're capable of. We know Matthews isn't going to shoot four percent forever. Um, we we actually saw a five on five point from Nick Ritchie tonight, so he's even Huge. on the board. So I, I do think the five on five points were coming, but I guess that's kind of been my takeaway from this team is just how weird of a season it's been. Where you have all these guys, you know, the, you see the five on five numbers are not that impressive in terms of actual production. Yet this team is still finding a way to win most nights. You look at their on ice shooting percentage at five on five. There's three players that are at 10% or higher. And it's Michael Amadio, Leafs legend, Alex Kerfoot, and Kirill Semyonov, who's played two games. Every other player on the Leafs is has a lower lower than 10% uh, on-ice shooting percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. That's not going to last. No, but I was listening to uh, the Back to Excited podcast this morning, and they had, they had Ian on. Um, and, you know, you look at it, I, I'm still on their point, where, you know, the Leafs, if you look at their finishing numbers over the years, you take Matthews out of it, they're, you know, they're fairly average, it looks like. And I do wonder if there is any sort of element to that, where, you know, having guys like Engvall and Kampf, maybe it, it lowers it a little bit. Obviously, it's not going to be this much. I think we're going to get back up to a, a more reasonable amount. But I would like to add some goal-scoring talent at the deadline, and I know we've, we've talked about this multiple times in terms of adding forward talent. Um, I, I do still think forward is, is what I'm looking for at the deadline. And then we'll see, I guess, how that Muzzin Hall pair does, because if, if they continue to struggle, they didn't tonight, but you know, recently there's, there's been some kind of iffy play. Um, maybe you have to look to make an addition there as well. So Right now, I think it's a good team, but I think because it's so good and because you know the, they have a real chance of, of being a legitimate contender, uh, I'd be looking to to kind of round out the roster. So I think I'm kind of focused on those on those negatives because I do see the, a ton of potential, uh, just the way this roster's shaping up and the way Jack Campbell's playing, especially. I do think that players like Engvall, players like Camp, will bring down your shooting percentage, but. I do also think that that's why it's important to look at individual uh, shooting percentages. Like like Matthews, at the end of the day, this guy's a, a 45, 50, 55 goal scorer. Um, he accounts for you know a decent chunk of the Leafs' goals, and if he's shooting 5% at 5-on-5, that's going to increase just by itself. Um, so just guys like Matthews, Spezza, uh, even Simmons to a certain extent, like those guys, it's going to increase. Um, so I do think that they are snake bitten, but it is a good point. Like Matthews, without Matthews, this isn't a, a you know a team that really lights up the the scoring board. Like Matthews is a huge part of that. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that they are snake bitten just because of how bad Matthews has been in terms of goal scoring. I, I don't think it's his fault either. Just getting unlucky at this point. Yeah, um, just bad luck. Just bad luck. I think you know Kerfoot, Marner, they don't have the best shots either. Um, but you know Thornton last year really had a weak shot, and they've they've moved on from him. So I do think, you know, come playoff time they'll probably have a little bit more shooting. I think you know S- Simmons in particular has been really snake bitten. 
as is Richie. I mean, I, I don't think either of us have loved Richie. I, th- I actually think he had a better week. Um, but, you know, he's going to score eventually. He's not going to have zero goals. And I think Simmons is another candidate. Uh, he had a ton of chances in tonight's game, too. He just couldn't get the puck in the net. So I, I do think that there's at least a little bit of regression coming back. They're not going to be 31st in shooting percentage. There's just too much talent on the roster. Any team with Matthews isn't going to finish in the bottom two, three in shooting percentage. I think they'll at least be middle of the pack uh, by the end of the season. But just just a weird thing in, a, I guess, 20-game sample so far. Yeah, and one thing is the, the shooting talent on the team. They're not going to shoot that low. And the other thing is just how much they're generating right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at just Corsi 4 at 5-on-5 five five per 60, like they're first place by quite a bit um, So well before the Islanders game. So I think both of those are kind of a kind of a recipe for the regression that hopefully we see sooner rather than later. But yeah, definitely the goal scoring thing. I'm not worried about it. I don't think you're worried about it. Um, Let's start talking about these lines though. So, you know, we've kind of seen some different lines over the past little bit. I'll kind of leave the floor open to you um, in terms of, you know, I don't really want to get too much into like Matthews and Marner or, or Tavares Nylander. I think we both know that Either or kind of works at this point. Um, but let's talk about the left wingers, actually. So I'm not giving you the floor. So <laughs> um, how, how do you see these left wingers kind of shaping out, especially when with, with Mikheyev coming back and, and, you know, on the horizon? Um, you know, they do have some left wingers on the Marlies. I don't know if they're, you know, huge contenders right now to come onto the team and take someone's spot. But, you know, how do you see these left wingers shaping up? Um, I don't know if I ha- like absolutely love it, like any of them in the top six. Like I think Bunting can do it. I think the way he's drawing penalties certainly helps. Uh, obviously he had a very nice assist on Martyr's second goal tonight. I think Kerfoot, you know, a his on ice shooting percentage has been very high. So you know it's a lot to like so far. He's again leading the team in, in five on five points per sixty. Uh, he's been good with Tavares Nylander. I I don't know how it will come how it will look come playoff time. Personally, I think Kasha will be on the right side just because I think Marner, Nylander, and Kasha are better on the right side, and because I think you need someone on that third line to kind of drive it offensively. But I do think you have to go out and get someone at the deadline on the left side, and depending on who it is, I think my answer could change. So, you know, is it is it a power forward? Is it a playmaker? Is it more of a goal scorer? Um, and also just depending on it, it, I think in an ideal world, I'd love to have a dominant first line with Matthews and get him as many scoring chances as possible. Like, you know, what, what they used to do with Zach Hyman, like let's set this guy up as much as we can, win as many puck battles as we can. But at the same time, you also have to look at the third line and think, okay, maybe you, depending on who you get, maybe that's the guy that goes and drives the third line. So for now I would do what they did tonight. Um, in terms of bunting with Matthews and Marner, uh, and, and then I would leave Kerfoot with Tavares and Nylander. I I would probably flip Matthews and uh, sorry Marner and Nylander, but as you said, I won't get into that. Uh, whether Richie's with David Camp or on the fourth line, I'm not sure. I don't know if either's a great fit. Um, I mean, he's he's played with Kasha before, and um, you know they did have a good night tonight. I don't know if I trust Richie against some of the tougher matchups or a ton of defensive zone starts, um, but you know maybe a team with not a ton of offensive talent like the Islanders, it makes sense. So yeah, maybe maybe you rotate Engvall and, and Richie based on the matchup, uh, but I would keep the lines similar to what they were tonight. I'm actually really glad that you mentioned um, about whether just kind of that trust in Richie on that third line. So mm-hmm. in terms of the actual lines... Richie was on that defensive zone start line tonight. Um, I was kind of watching closely, but Sheldon Keefe, he, he does things very... He does things on purpose. Nothing is, is kind of done by accident, especially with his zone starts and, and his deployment. So tonight, Richie was on that third line. I was really watching how the zone starts kind of shaped up. Throughout most of the game, this third line was being played and deployed in a different way than kind of they ever have this season. Um, they had like two offensive zone starts in the first two periods. That's 
I don't think that's happened at all this season uh, with Richie there. They've and now looking at it at the end, Camp kind of racked up some some defensive zone faceoffs in the third period when they were kind of leading. Um, but even though Richie was on that third line tonight, he only had most of his shifts started on the fly. He didn't have one defensive zone start. Um, sorry, he had one defensive zone faceoff, two in the neutral zone, one in the offensive zone. Whereas Kasha and Kasha had five defensive zone faceoff starts, and Camp also had five. So I don't even know if Sheldon Keefe at this point really trusts Richie in this defensive end. Like I, I think they know his kind of his strengths and what his weaknesses are. Um, it was nice to kind of see Richie get that assist and, and get that point. Hopefully that gets him going. I do think he's had a better week, but when I look at the way that he's being deployed and and kind of moving from line to line and just based on what Keith said about him in post-game conferences, uh, press conferences anyways, I, I don't know. I think he's the odd man out in terms of left-wingers right now. I know a lot of people think it's Engvall. I do think Engvall's been particularly strong to a certain extent. A lot of mistakes in terms of just turning the puck over, silly mistakes here and there um, that have kind of been really noticeable. But I think all in all, he's been kind of the third strongest left-winger for the Leafs this year. And I've liked him on the fourth line that's Betsa, and I've also liked him on the third line in that defensive zone start line. So to me, Richie's the odd man out. Um, just when I look at deployment and the way he's played, even though he's had a stronger week relative to kind of his start. Is that where you are too? Um, I don't know where I am, to be honest. I mean, Mikhaev's not, you know, he's not on the doorstep of returning, it sounds like. So we have some time to kind of to view it and see what happens. I do lean towards playing Richie. I would probably, I, I've said this a few times now, but I would be at least considering trading him at the deadline, um, especially if you need the cap space. Uh, I'd be fine with scratching Richie. I'd be fine with scratching Engvall. I think Richie has had a better week. Uh, he was generating quite a few chances with on that, with Matthews and Marner. I mean, I, I think that's kind of expected when you play with those guys. But yeah. I do think he's he's taken a better... You know, a step forward from where he was, which was, you know, to be fair, was a very low bar to, to cross. But, yeah, Engvall hasn't scored since opening night, which is a bit of a concern. He's not good offensively. I do think that uh, he's the better fit for the checking line just because of his speed, his size, his ability to kill penalties. Um, I also think that I actually like him more with um, Spezza and Simmons because... You know, I think you got to take some of the defensive responsibility away from Spezza at this stage of his career. I think Engvall can do that. He's someone you can kind of play center, even if he's not taking the faceoffs. He can he can kind of take that role defensively. Uh, he's also you know a little bit better than Richie in transition. He's, um, I just think he he kind of complements. You know, he has some speed that kind of complements uh, Spezza's game a little bit better than, than maybe Richie's does. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would probably go with Engvall. Um, but, you know, Makayev is so similar to Engvall that maybe they just kind of cross each other out and you're kind of left at what you have. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if I have, I'm overly opinionated on it, but I do think that um, I do want someone at some point to kind of push everyone down the depth chart. I'm hoping Richie's not in the playoff lineup at this point, but uh at least at least we're getting a, some progress here because he was just dreadful to start the season and now he's at least making some sort of contribution i don't know if it's worth the the money we're paying him but uh at least it's something definitely and i think at this point i mean obviously i want richie to succeed i think that he's had a decent track record as an nhler i do think that you know the nick richie at his best can definitely add something to this team um, especially come playoff time when games get tighter. And, and you know, I, I don't love his speed, but I do value what he does bring to the game. But for me, I do think I, I still struggle to see where he's going to be in the lineup, like in a, in a playoff lineup. So right now he's not in my playoff lineup either. I do expect them to get someone at the deadline. But, um, you know, of course, it is good that he's he's getting points. I mean, even if from a from a standpoint, let's say if you don't want him in the playoff lineup and you do want to trade him at the deadline, like you don't want this guy to have, you know, two points at five on five come deadline time, and, and then you have to get kind of a you have to give a pick or something for someone to take on that contract. Um, you obviously want Richie to do well so that, you know, you can actually trade that contract, you know, with some value and maybe get something back for it. So, 
Uh, you know, obviously that conversation is a little bit far away, but um, it's nice to see Richie have a good week this week because I, I think it was a tough start for him. Yeah, he's kind of looked like a $2 million forward, I think, this week. But again, you know, one week of that isn't isn't going to suffice. We need to see that over a longer stretch. So, uh, you know, he's fortunate that, um, A, he's, he's probably got some leeway because of, you know, the fact that he just signed, and then, B, the fact that Mikhaev's hurt. So, really, it hasn't forced the, the issue um, at all. That No one's... You know, I, I don't think they're itching to get Simeonov in, so I, I do think he's got some time. Um, you know, but the way he's playing, at least he's trending in the right direction. Now, on that note, we do actually have. It's funny because we've recorded twice, obviously, in the last two weeks, and there actually has been news since the last time we recorded, and there is actually a Mar- Marlies player that could potentially be knocking on the door to come onto the team sooner rather than later and that's Kyle Clifford he is now he's a he's a former Leaf obviously last year I'm not too surprised that they brought him back I mean there was rumors that they were going to try and sign him for a uh, three-year extension so the Leafs have brought back Kyle Clifford he has played two games with the Marlies Uh, today he was actually playing next to Semyon Dargan-Chensev what did you think of you know them bringing him back in the first place Kevin and kind of his outlook on on you know, what he's going to bring this year. Um, I, That's not the player I was expecting you to mention. I thought you were going to say host thing there. But for Clifford, I mean, Dubas used to be his agent. Um, There's a long history there. I'm, you know, f- the fact that he's from Ontario, the fact that he's going to the AHL for basically the first time in his career. He has two career AHL games um, before this Marley stint. Back in 15-16, it was probably like after an injury. Um, he did play seven playoff games way back when as a teenager, I believe. Uh, but this is a guy that, that made the NHL at a very young age uh, on those strong Los Angeles Kings teams. And, you know, maybe he prefers to play in Toronto rather than Springfield. So if it's if it's just from like a, a doing doing a favor perspective and, and maybe he, you call him up when you need him, Fine. Um, I don't think there's really a spot for him though on the NHL roster, uh, just because the way this team's the way this team's built right now, um, I don't see it. I think Brett Sini's a, a good left winger with a lot of speed, if if and I think he's got a good you know a pretty good two way game. So that's probably who I'd call up if you needed that type of role. Um, but maybe if Simmons gets hurt or Richie, like with Simmons and Richie, I just don't think you need any more muscle. Um, so I don't I don't see him playing NHL games or at least too many meaningful ones, um, but you know we'll see him with the Marlies with with him, Clune and Gabriel. The Marlies certainly aren't short on muscle. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they've got some uh, definitely a lot more big boys than they've had in the past couple of years. Um, I don't know. I do see it a bit differently with Clifford, just based on what they said right after. I mean, this is an organization that really likes him. I I don't think. I do agree in terms of the way that the roster is actually built out and the lineups built out. It is a weird fit. Like I didn't like Clifford last year with Sim, uh, but sorry, with Spezza on that fourth line last year. Um, I just don't think Clifford gives enough offense. Now, I do feel like the Leafs this year do want you know some toughness in their lineup. Um, I don't think they're going to bring three tough players in. Simmons, Richie, and Clifford, like all of them in the lineup, unless there's some injuries. But I could see Clifford kind of challenging a guy like Simmons and, and Richie for sure um, for that lineup spot. I mean, I don't think Simmons is close to coming out of the lineup. I do think no. Richie's a little closer. Um, and when you look at Clifford, like he had three points in 16 games. Again, that's not what he's there for, but he's a pretty good defensive player. He also brings that you know, those intangibles that Richie does, and he does it for more than half the price. So I do think that that's another kind of player that Richie should be worried about um, because it does look like the Leafs want to fill that role of having another guy, a little bit more muscle, along with Simmons. And I think Clifford could do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he's in the plans for potentially replacing Richie right now. I can't see it. It just would be such a bad fit, in my opinion. Like, they have Camp on the third line. They're not going to get a ton of offense from him. 
to go with like Clifford Simmons on your fourth line, I think you'd have really poor bottom six scoring. Then you'd have to play Spezza at center. Uh, I hope they Which don't. Which is do kind that. of what they're doing with Richie. Like, I oh yeah, I don't think either of us are you know presidents of the Richie fan club. But yeah, yeah. I just don't see that as an option come playoff time. I know they did play him in every game against Columbus. I really hope they don't go that way. He did clear waivers. Um, so that makes me think it's more of an AHL move. Um, you know, they could, they could easily put him in over Engvall right now, for example, if they wanted to, they, I mean, they have the cap space, I believe with, with Semyonov up and I be, believe Anderson, Joey Anderson's up right now. Um, so my guess is that it's more of a, you know, maybe it's insurance. Maybe it's just doing a, an old friend, of, old friend a favor and, and letting him play in Toronto and, um, that's my guess, but I don't, I don't think he's on the verge of a call-up anytime soon. That, that, that's my guess. Um, why don't we get it to Hosang? Because that's a little bit of a funner one. Um, he had a gorgeous OT winner uh, yesterday on, on the Saturday. He's been racking up goals, which hasn't always been his MO. Um, what are your thoughts on on maybe him getting some NHL opportunities sometime soon? I think it'd be fun to bring him up. Um, he's definitely been dominating down in the AHL. I I mean, that overtime goal is absolutely beautiful. He's just so crafty, so quick. He makes decisions very quickly. I do see some turnovers that I, I could see at the NHL level kind of coming to bite him. Um, but I, I do want to see him a little bit more with the Marlies. I've been enjoying watching him. I, I do think there's some kinks in his game that he could kind of work out before he becomes like a full-time NHLer. But if they wanted to, to bring him up just for a few games just to see how he looks you know, get him kind of uh, adapted to back to this NHL speed. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. Um, but um, I don't know if he's really pushing anyone out of the NHL lineup right now. Yeah, I think the issue is that he's on the right side, and then you have Marner, Nylander, Kasha, and, uh, you know, Spezza Simmons on the right side. So I just don't see a spot either, but he's been out, he's been terrific for them. Um, I don't love his defensive game, but he's amazing at zone entry. He's a very good playmaker. He's scoring more than he ever has before. Um, I was actually hoping they'd call him up tonight because it'd be so fun to see him against the Islanders. Um, but yeah, it's. I think he's definitely a guy who can play games if needed. It's just unfortunate that I don't really see uh, much of an opportunity coming, especially because he's not someone who can play the left side. I think he's strictly a right winger, and I think the Leafs would prefer to play, you know, all their NHL right wingers on the right wing. Uh, I think they kind of that's that's the position they're strongest at. But you know who knows? Maybe he's if there's some injuries that come up. Um, I, I'd love to see him up. I think he's one of the the first call ups. Um, and then again, Senior I think is very good if it's a, if they need someone on the left side. They've been kind of bringing up Anderson, um, though he's maybe less offensively talented. I don't know. Like, I think those are kind of the, the key guys. Steve's has been great, but he's, you know, just nine games into his pro career. Um, you know, I don't want to get too far into the Marlies, but I, I do think that it's Hosang makes me want to watch the Marlies. Let's put it that way. If, if he wasn't there, it'd be a little bit boring. I think for me right now, I agree with that. I love Hosang. I think for me right now, if I was, I love Sini too. I just love that speed. I thought he looked great in the preseason as well. Um, I think I would only bring up Sini, like you said, if they needed like a third liner. Um, I would love to see him and Kasha play together. I think that they'd just be so fast and it really caused some problems on the counterattack. Um, I love Steves, though. I know that he's only played nine games as a pro, but he looks like a professional player. Like he's, he's a complete player. He wins battles. He's able to make plays. He's scoring a ton of goals right now. So I think Steves would be probably my, 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 the guy that I would call up right now, just purely based on play but i do understand that obviously he just started his professional career but uh, i've really enjoyed watching steve's play yeah i mean they got it for nothing so let's hope he turns into something i think he could be some sort of nhl player i think Sini's a low nhl player as well like i think he's he could play on an nhl fourth line no problem um i think those are kind of the, the clear call-ups if and something he's played, happens and he's played a lot of nhl games like with the devils i think well those two years ago three years ago uh, I remember looking at it. He's played like over 40 games in the NHL. Brett Sini. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He had that really nice goal in the preseason. So so I want to throw uh, a question at you. we got some early trivia coming here. 
Um, well, let's exclude Michael Amadio and Semyonov because they barely played. How many Leafs are below a 50% expected goals for at 5-on-5? Five five? Including defensemen? Yep. I am going to go with... It's less than four. Okay, I need another. I just another. can't think of who they are. I'll go through. I'll go two. So it's just one, at least heading into the heading into this game. It was Andre Kasha, and I, you know, tons of defensive zone starts, and um, I think he had that one game where he got the opportunity on the first line, and his line mates just decided to not play that night. So <laughs> I could see why he's the one, but just I, I think that really speaks volumes to the third line, like. I know they're not scoring, and at some point you got to score a little bit more. Um, but the fact that basically the whole team's over fifty percent is is pretty impressive. Uh, the Leafs are in sixth overall, about fifty four percent in terms of expected goal percentage, um, and just forty six percent in terms of goals percentage. So the only teams below them, at least heading into tonight, was Detroit, Dallas, Montreal, Ottawa, Seattle, Arizona, and Chicago. So to have the record they have, while they're getting outscored at five on five, is it, it, it's it's a, great you know there's different ways to win hockey games i think you know maybe these wins aren't what we're used to seeing but um definitely jack campbell's kind of been the mvp of this team so far and the power play other than tonight's been pretty going pretty well i think we're all just kind of uh excited to see this team get going at five on five and and seeing what this team's capable of yeah i mean they're a good team i i I do think that that muzzin hall pairing is probably the most I wouldn't want to say it's scary, but I do think that that's kind of the biggest issue with the team and the thing that I'm kind of watching pretty closely because I'm not worried about the offense right now, especially if that bottom six is able to produce to a certain extent. Um, I do expect that top six is going to you know, really start being consistent and start heating up here, but especially at five on five. But I think it's just defensively. I do think that the other thing is, as a team, they've been really good defensively this year. A lot of one-goal wins. Um so I think overall, like I'm not really scared about this team defensively, but um, I mean, it's a tough division, you know, I, I think Tampa, we're, we're starting to see with the standings, you know, Florida, now they're starting to win a few more games, but they were losing a few more games and Tampa starting to win. They've got a ton of game in hand, games in hand, and it's not going to take uh, long before Boston actually overtakes the Red Wings and we have the Panthers, Leafs, Lightning, and Bruins, all the, the prime suspects back at the top of the Atlantic Division. So um, that's the thing about the Atlantic Division. You could be a really good team, but you got to be a great team to get through it. So uh, that's why we're nitpicking here. Yeah, I think there is a lot to nitpick. I, I do think, especially if I'm on five, there's some holes in the slide up. Um, I think that comes from just an appreciation of what Zach Hyman did and just kind of seeing that hole in the lineup every night um, is very noticeable. Uh, another trivia question for you here. Who has the highest slash worst expected goals against per 60 on the Leafs? Mm, I feel like it's going to be between... Oh, per 60. Mm-hmm. I'll go between Muzzin and Hall. Uh, I'll go Paul. Hall is actually second, so that was a good guess. Oh, no, he's third. This is heading in. This was heading into tonight's game. Um, Hall's third. Simmons is second, and Travis Dermott was first. Hmm. So um, just to kind of expand on your point in terms of Muzzin Hall, I think my biggest concern with that pairing is, A, you know, Muzzin in particular is very, very important to this team's success. What he's been able to do over the years is, you know, he's been always been a very underrated player. Um, you know, he's someone who's probably worth $7 million most of his years. You know, he's, he's probably been a 7 million defenseman as a Leaf up until this point. And if he's not himself, obviously that's a huge loss. But I think from Justin Hall's perspective, the question is, okay, if that pair can't do it, what do you do? Because I think, I think Riley really needs Brody. And then I think, I, I don't know if Lilligren's really ready for the right side um, on a shutdown pairing. Maybe, maybe you give that a try. Um, but he is a rookie, and then I don't know if if Travis Dermott is is the right fit on against top competition on his offside. So I do think that we might see uh, we might have to see a trade at some point if if you know the the parent can't figure it out. Uh, but again, I, I do think that the 
priority one is forward right now. They definitely have to get a forward, and at some point they're going to have to make choices between, you know, what what position they want to upgrade. Maybe they can do both, um, but my priority is still forward. So I do think that pairing is, is just so important just because of the minutes they play against top competition. I think what they're going to end up doing is I think they will probably trade a defenseman, um, whether that's Travis Dermott. It kind of looks like it's going to be Travis Dermott. I doubt it's Justin Hall. I do think that they obviously they saved him in the offseason in terms of the expansion. This pairing has been really good for the last two years. So um, I know you mentioned it last week that, that you also expected it's going to be uh, Travis Dermott. I think you said 100% or 110%. Uh, we're lucky that that one didn't get sent out. So now it's it's my word here. But um, I think what they're going to end up doing is they are going to get a top six forward or middle six forward at the deadline. And then you get a guy like maybe like a Ben Hutton type guy, uh, like a 7D um, going into it. And you have like Alex Biega also with the Marlies, who, who's, you know, an NHL defenseman, I would say. So I think that's the route that they go. I, I don't know if they really need to get like a number four defenseman at the deadline. It just seems kind of odd. Well, the issue, the issue is that the hole is, is next to Muzzin, right? And Muzzin plays against the top line. So I don't know. Right. I don't think Ben Hutton's going to do it. But you, you, Oh, no. I, I think they're going to just have like... Hall? You know, like Justin Hall or, you know, maybe Timothy Lilligren like maybe. steps up by then. But I think at, at best case scenario, you have Hall and Muzzin looking the way that they are. Yeah. They have past couple years. And then you get, you know, you maybe a Sandy and Lilligren's fourth, uh, third pairing. Mm-hmm. And then you get a Ben Hutton guy for the seven. Yeah, that's the ideal world, and that's really assuming that that Muzzin Hall can figure things out. Uh, if they don't, then I think you do need to, to kind of find make a bigger ad there. Uh, obviously, in the ideal world, you know they figure things out. Um, the the Dermot thing, which I mentioned last week, which didn't get published, um, I think all signs point to him getting traded. Um, and I'll I'll quickly explain. So, Fr- mm-hmm. Friedman and Chris Johnson had reported that the Leafs were close to making a trade a few weeks ago. I believe that was Dermot. Um, if you just read the tea leaves, um, a you know the the fact that they didn't play him on the right side forever. Now they're playing him on the right side, um, basically out of out of necessity because their left side is kind of set for the next five years. Riley, Muzzin, Sandine, um, maybe not five years, but at least three years. And then they did you know he was a healthy scratch at times in the playoffs. Uh, he doesn't play any of the special teams unit. They went out and, and tried to sign Yanni Hockenpah this off season and. Just doing the math, you know, I think they also wanted to, to bring back Bogosian if he wanted to stay. Um, so I, I think if, if they would have added Bogosian again or added uh, Hawk and Paw, I think Dermot would have been gone by now. They also didn't protect him in the expansion draft. So I just think all signs point to him getting moved. I don't know if they're comfortable with him on the right side come playoff time. Uh, I think they like the way Sandin and Lilligren are playing. But he is an NHL defenseman. It's, it's not a problem to have seven good NHL defensemen. Um, I'm certainly fine with, with keeping him on the team. I, I, I've always liked his game, particularly his transition defense. And uh, But I do think that at some point, whether it's at maybe midseason or at the end of the year, I do expect him to get traded, um, I guess, sooner rather than later. So that's my that's my Dermot rant that was kind of missed because we had, we had issues uploading this podcast last week. Which we hope we do not have uploading problems today. <laughs> so <laughs> we're also going to be doing saying the same thing next week. But anyways, yeah, no, I do think it makes sense. Um, which is tough because I know both you and I have been big fans of Dermot, uh, even leading back to when he got drafted and um, when he was with the Marlies and you know his his contribution to the championship team and, and coming up and everything. It's uh, it's one of those things, but I, I do think that we'll see. You know, with that, you know, hopefully they're able to, to get a... Do you think that's particularly the trade that they get that top six forward, that Dermot would be in that trade per se? Or do you think that that trade would look a little different? I had no idea what they would trade him for. I'm so curious to know what that trade was that almost happened. Um, I don't think he's got a ton of trade value, right? Like, he didn't get protected at the expansion draft, um, and he didn't get taken. So, I... You know, normally points and ice time get you paid. Uh, he is on a very reasonable salary, but I don't know if, you know, as a third-pairing defenseman, I don't know if he's got a ton of trade value. We'll see. Um, I, I really have no idea. I have no problem keeping him if he doesn't have trade value because I do think he's a, a very, very good seventh defenseman. 
Um, and I think he could challenge Lilligren or Sandine, particularly Lilligren, come playoff time, or maybe even Justin Hall, depending on how he plays. Um, but I do think that they'll probably look to, to add uh, a right shooting defenseman if Hall struggles, and if Hall plays well, maybe they don't need Dermott. So, he, unfortunately, he's kind of the odd man out right now. We'll see what happens. Obviously, injury is part of the game. Um, I'm sure he'll rotate in, but uh, I don't know if he's kind of in their core, per se, going forward. But any last thoughts before we get out of here? Well, the thing with Dermot is also, I think people will value someone who has like a distinct role over just someone who's like pretty good at five on five, which is what Dermot is now. You know, he doesn't really penalty kill too much. He doesn't really, he doesn't really, he's obviously not in the power play. Lilligren's been playing more per game on the penalty kill this year as, you know, pretty much a rookie. I think Lilligren's a rookie, considered a rookie this year. But um, just looking at it now, like, it's not like Lilligren's, you know, off the charts on the penalty kill, but he's averaging about 50, 55 seconds on the penalty kill, whereas Dermot's hardly been used on the penalty kill, only 19 seconds um, and five minutes in all in 15 games. So I do think the writing's on the wall as well. I don't know if he's going to get traded for sure this year, but I, I do think that they, I'd say it's about, Maybe a, a 40 60 shot, maybe a 50 50 actually of Dermot moving, which is still pretty high to me. But yeah, I guess, I guess we'll see what happens. I, I've loved Timothy Lilligren's game. I think that's where we'll we'll end it. Obviously, we've loved Sandine's, but Lilligren, I just love when he picks up the puck uh, behind his own net. He has a four checker on his back and he just says, you know what? Forget about the zone exit passes. I'm taking this myself. He did one tonight, he did one two games ago as well where he just goes end to end does the zone exit himself does the zone entry himself that's the timothy lilligren that i think all of us wanted that's the guy that we saw in the marlies the last two years so it's really nice to see him at the do that at the nhl level yeah yeah i think i've i'm in agreement there lilligren's been been strong i think the audience numbers are strong um not much, not much else to add there. I'll, I'll leave everyone with a stat that I just saw, Sportsnet stats. Maple Leafs on Long Island. So at, at Nassau Coliseum, their old arena, 74 games, zero shutouts. And at UBS Arena, one game, one shutout. So maybe the switch was nice. Tavares now has a win at UBS where the Islanders do not. Um, great to get on the back in the win column after a tough loss at Pittsburgh. Well, not in Pittsburgh, but against Pittsburgh. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see everyone next week.